Welcome to the Lex Buds and Pick and Roll podcast. I am one of your two co-hosts, Brandon. And with you as always is Tyler. Tyler, you are always with me and it is greatly appreciated. Holy cow, what a crazy week in the state of Kentucky, to say the least. Uh, Before we get into a lot of the topics, first of all, we want to say thank you for downloading our podcast, going on iTunes, leaving us five-star reviews. It is really helping. We love the feedback and I've been overwhelmed with just the response, not just from the podcast, but from the website and articles, Tyler. It's been pretty cool. It is really cool to see things that we work very hard on to get some recognition and get some feedback from people to say that they're enjoying it. So I feel like maybe our hard work is, is paying off a little bit. Yeah, it's really weird. When we first started this, I you know thought maybe we'd have four or five people listen, and that is not the case. Uh, we've got viewers on the website from all over the country and different parts of the world, which is really freaky. And then to see the podcast downloads continue to go up is a very encouraging sign. So we thank you all so much on this episode. I want to mention this towards the second half of the show, we have an interview with Kentucky legend, football legend and linebacker, Marty Moore. One of the toughest guys that's ever played for UK. I think it would be safe to say, right? Absolutely, man. He is, he's a legend. He is a former NFL, former Cleveland Brown, former my Cleveland Browns for yeah. one year. Right? Yeah, I don't think that's probably what most people remember. Most of the people probably remember him for the the Super Bowl that he won with the New England Patriots. But to to me, he will always be a Cleveland Brown. But Marty uh really had some interesting things to say. You're, he had some strong comments for Governor Bashir and the the handling that he's had of youth sports and the guidelines that just came out and just really some really interesting stories about his time in the NFL and his thoughts on the current UK football team. So some really interesting stuff. You'll definitely want to hang around and listen. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you're a parent or, or you know, uh, children that are new sports, a lot of the interview revolves around that. Marty's very passionate about uh, youth sports and, and kind of how it's been impacted by the virus situation with the restrictions going on there. So make sure you stay tuned for that interview. Uh, we're going to touch on some topics that we mentioned before the cheerleading scandal. We're going to follow up on, we're going to talk about the space launch. We're going to talk about some other, um, scheduling additions to the University of Kentucky basketball schedule. But Tyler, I honestly don't know how you begin a show without mentioning just what has gone on in the state of Kentucky this week. It's been nuts. It has been a really bad week. Uh, Brandon, I just wrote an article last week saying after the cheerleading scandal and the effigy of the governor, which we'll talk about in just a minute, that Kentucky seems to be having the worst week ever, and things have actually gotten much worse since then. And it's it's now stretched into maybe the worst two weeks we've ever had as a state. Just uh, th- things don't seem to be getting any better, man. It's it's very depressing, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about some of those things. And obviously, we're not going to have any answers or solutions, but we do feel it is our job as guys who have a podcast to to talk about these things we'd be remiss if we didn't yeah absolutely and and let me just say for i want to say this right off the bat regardless of what your opinion is whether it's ours or anybody else's it's your opinion and i hope that nobody's afraid to express their opinion regardless of what they think you know i i see a lot of people that are you know just afraid to say anything because it's like anything you say half the people in this country are just going to be you know infuriated and angry and I don't want to anger my friends and neighbors. It's like, you know, it's your brain. It's what you think. And if that's your opinion, that's fine. It's perfectly fine. And we're going to express our opinions today. And we hope that you just 
take it just as that. We're not experts on anything. We're just two guys, just like every other house in our neighborhoods or in our cities. They're just families. This is what this family thinks. This is what this person thinks. We're all completely different. We would just ask that you respect everybody's opinion, regardless of what it is, because, you know, when you see some of the events, especially that have happened in Kentucky over the last week, you know, people will say something and other people will just berate and yell at them and say, you know, how could you think that? And that's really upsetting. I I hope that everybody feels free that they can talk and express what they think. Otherwise, we're never going to have a national or local conversation about how to solve any of these issues if we can't talk to each other. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, to, to have a debate, you know, you have to be able to hear and listen to to both sides. And it's how you grow. It's how you learn is... You know, you can't fix any problem without understanding the other side's point of view. And that's that's what we hope to do on this show is express all points of view, hear everyone's opinions, even if we don't agree with them. We, we have we will have people on this show that we, we don't agree with. So uh, we just feel it's important to hear everyone's opinion. And that's, like I said, that's how you grow and learn and come to respect other people. Yeah, absolutely. And on Twitter, if you follow us on Twitter at LexBuds, if you have opinions and comments on these protests... Please send them to us. We will not yell at you. We will not berate you for, you know, thinking differently than we do. We just want to hear what you think. You know, I think it's better if people get their ideas out there than just hold them in and, and nobody knows what what each other thinks. So I, I think that's what we're trying to do here, right, Tyler? I mean, yeah, absolutely. So that being said, we'll kind of go chronologically uh, from the point that our last podcast was released. Uh, I believe it was the maybe the day after we recorded, Brandon, were the next round of protests in Frankfurt over Governor Bashir's handling policies of the coronavirus. For the most part, it was very safe. There, uh, there was not, nothing really of interest happened. It was a you know not a violent protest at all. And then at the end, we had a couple guys who decided to hang an effigy of the governor. And boy, oh boy, that really changed the whole perception of that protest. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's really interesting because it's going to play into what we're talking about here very soon. When you have actions like that, you have completely shifted the message away and the conversation away from the original intent of the protest to what you just did. And first of all, I don't... <laughs> I think it's a really bad idea to hang anyone in effigy. I, just a general rule of thumb, I don't do that at my house. I, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I can't maybe, think of a scenario where that's a good thing. Is that something that maybe I'm just not doing that other people do on the weekends? I, I just take it as a general practice not to do. It just incites people. There's no reason to do it. And if you're really trying to fight for your side, why would you do something that's that big of a distraction to take away from what you're trying to protest? It, it just doesn't add up to me i don't know yeah the the if if i'm not going to say his name on the air you you can if you want to do research you can find the name of the guy you can find out where he worked he was actually fired from his job after that protest was was completed and you can research the the group that he's a part of and once you see that you are not surprised by the actions he's definitely a very vocal person and his beliefs are out there if you're so inclined to go read about them but wasn't surprising at all once i learned about who this guy was and the groups he's been a part of but man uh, you know th- these guys brandon who go to the to the protests that are decked out in camouflage and and bring 
I don't, I don't know the names of these big the, the big guns that you pull the trigger and they shoot bullets really fast. I don't know what those are called. Send your emails, by the way, to Tyler <laughs> um, when you write the pod, uh, to the podcast. Go ahead, Tyler. Sorry. Uh, the, the, these guys drive me nuts, Brandon. I mean, they're they're out there. They they're they're just playing dress up. I, 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 if I were at those protests, I would just walk up to them and say, "Hey, trick or treat," and hold out my bag because it looks like you're dressed up uh, for Halloween. <laughs> oh, I guess that's why you're dressed up like that. Oh my goodness! Okay, they, 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 I don't get these people, man. They drive me crazy. Um, and and that guy especially, dude. What what are you doing? Like like you said, you just completely. You made it seem like that's what the whole protest was about when it wasn't. So all the people there who were there to peacefully protest are now lumped into the action that this guy did. And then to go... What made it worse to me is they marched towards the governor's house. And, Brandon, it makes me really sad to think about. He's got a 9- and 10-year-old kid and a wife. And the conversations that you imagine that he and his wife had to have with their two kids about what an effigy is and what these people are doing. Like breaks your heart, dude, that the those those kids have you know, there there's no more bubble for those kids. They they have been exposed to the worst of society at such a young age. And that just your heart goes out uh to, to that family to have to deal with that. Yeah, and you know what? I'm just not a fan of, of doing this in general. So I remember there was a period of time, I don't know if you recall this, Tyler when there were public officials um, of a particular party, I'm not, I'm not going to say the party just so we don't get into partisan sure. politics here, of a particular party that when they would go out to lunch at a restaurant, people would just yell at them and tell them to leave and go away. They're just eating food. And I just leave people alone sometimes. They're working. This is their job. I mean, what if somebody, you know, you're sitting at your office desk and somebody just comes yelling at you because they don't like the the font that you used on a memo that you sent out and they start protesting and yelling at you in your cubicle. I mean, give me a break, man. I, I don't like any of that stuff. It's ridiculous. Protest, protest in a peaceful way. And for elected officials especially, if you don't like the job they're doing, protest them until it's election day and then vote them out. It's really, really easy to do. You don't need to go to people's house because, again, you've shifted the conversation from what your point of view is, which will never get covered, because everybody's focused on the fact that you went to their house and started yelling and screaming with their kids in the house. Not smart, completely stupid. Don't do it. Don't do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like we're just recording uh, one of those 90s uh, public service announcements. Don't do drugs. Yeah. Don't hang people in effigy. Yeah, it's like no. that Saved by the Bell episode. Um, would would I use dope? Nope. nope. That's right. <laughs> you, you know that episode, Every, right? Everything can be related back to a Saved by the Bell yeah. episode at some point. There's no hope with dope, Tyler. You know that, right? <laughs> Don't do drugs. There's no hope with dope. Yeah, we, we we need to put some drops in from that episode. One, <laughs> make sure you work on that before we send this out. Yeah, yeah, I will work on that. Absolutely. Don't don't you worry about it. We'll we'll, we'll make sure we get that in. But anyway, uh, with with all that has gone on since then, it's it's kind of made um, the protest in Frankfurt seem not 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 as the, the that news coverage has now shifted brand we're not even talking about the governor anymore or the coronavirus or the, man. yeah what was that that's so that's that coronavirus weak. what's the coronavirus yeah we're not talking about that <laughs> was there so you're saying there's something that went on correct 
so yeah, there's been a little bit of uh, of a change in the news coverage lately. Um, not only in the state of Kentucky, but across the country, we are seeing mass protests. We are seeing some of them, many of them, turn violent. We're seeing uh, destruction of police cars. We're seeing people's uh, businesses be vandalized. Just, I mean, Brandon, I stayed up last night. I watched about two hours of ABC News, and they would just go from city to city, and it, it was it was just incredible to watch to see what was happening in all these different places, and it's man, it's it's just like something right out of a movie. Usually, you see these protests in the city where something happens, but we've never seen anything nationwide like this before. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Now, I I will say that I do re- recall uh, that there were some protests. I remember in Ferguson, Missouri, and Baltimore, and some other places. I think this was four years ago, um, but. I mean, it's really amazing to watch it happen. Now, before we get into the aftermath of the protests, we should mention, I mean, there if you've seen the video of the gentleman from Minnesota that was killed by the police officer, what a piece of video. Have you had a chance to see that? Thing? I've, I've saw it once, and I will never watch it again. I mean, it is really scary. And, I, you know, I've seen online people saying, well, how could anybody just sit there and video that and not do something. I tell you what, if you saw them doing that to one of your friends, there's three more of those officers standing around with guns. <laughs> they exactly. could probably do the same and thing. And there you. would have been a whole lot more had you gone and started something. So, yeah, I, I get it. And I, I think, you know, that's that's a very important part of when we see things like this happening. Recording it is, is huge. I mean, because without that video... What do we have? We don't even we don't even probably know about it. And then it's kind of it's a he said she said at that point. So I think the the fact that people are recording these events is very important to getting things like this from happening again. Yeah, it's funny when we were th- looking at what we were going to talk about today. We said well, you know we're going to talk about the protests, and we're two white dudes. I mean we don't make any apologies for that. That's just who we are. But it's like, how are we going to have a conversation about this? We're just going to sit and stare at each other and see who starts talking first, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, it's all perspective, but all we can do, like we said initially, is give our opinion. And whether you respect it or not, that doesn't matter. I mean, we, we can only give you what's in our brains and comes out of our mouths, and, that, and that's what we can talk about. But, you know, this isn't the first protest of police brutality, and I think it's it's a really tricky situation to navigate. You know, if you think about it, I don't know if this is a good way to think about it, but this is the way I've always thought about this. I think police officers and military um, folks are the bravest among us by far. I mean, they're putting themselves in the line of fire to do their job. It's something that sure, yeah, I am not brave enough to do. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. I'm not brave enough to do it. That's why I didn't do it. So it's really hard, but there are some bad apples in the bunch. I think it's unfair to lump all police officers in that. But there are some bad apples. I'll give you an example. I mean, if you're just thinking about an office job, probably 9 out of 10 people that work in that office, or 8 out of 10, do a good job. They come there and work, and they go by the rules, and they do what they're supposed to do. But that leaves 10 to 20% that probably don't. You know, they skirt the rules. And police officers, even though they're the bravest among us, and, and, and military for that example, they're the bravest among us, but there's still going to be a certain percentage that don't necessarily adhere to the rules and do things a little bit differently. 
The only difference is when they don't adhere to the rules, they've got guns. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like your bad office worker, he's just not productive at work. That doesn't have a huge impact on society. <laughs> Correct. A bad police officer, especially this one that was implicated in, in this murder in Minnesota, has had several warnings, I think 18 total, wow. something like that, Yeah, and was never flushed out. That's a problem. That is a huge problem. And I don't know the particular rules of police unions. I, I don't know. But when somebody gets that many warnings in any other job, you're out. You're out. Yeah, uh, and you, you nailed it, man. There, there, are, there are bad people in every profession, in every walk of life. And there are... You know, there are teachers who are arrested. We see the headlines every year. We see corrupt lawyers. We see corrupt politicians. Wherever you go, there are bad people. It does, and we're all human beings. Exactly. So, to 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 single out police officers to make them all lumped into this one guy or the, you know the few people that we have seen is not fair to them to to the profession. Mm-hmm. But no, Brand, it's it's hard for me to talk about because. So so many people have, over the course of the last few days, expressed this way better than I ever could. People have just written beautiful things and powerful things and recorded videos of themselves. And there, there's nothing I personally, nothing I'm going to say that could be anywhere near that. So I, I'm just going to, you know, say that it's terrible. We we need change, and I think it starts with just having conversations. And I understand, I understand why the protests are happening. I understand why people are upset. I'm upset. You're upset. We're uh, hopefully everybody is upset. But if you if you watch that video and weren't upset, I don't understand how you couldn't have that reaction after seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is actually an opportunity for us to all come together, right? Because it, it's not just you know black people that are being. There's other people being shot and killed too. And, you know, this gentleman wasn't shot. I, I, let me confirm that. But there are some instances all over the country where this is impacting a lot of people, and it's actually a really good time if we could all get on the same page to look at reforms in, you know, local police departments to maybe make some changes and push some buttons and, and try to get things moved forward. Um, you know, I know one of the biggest changes in the last several years was adding police body cameras. You know, if they decided to do that, that way there would be evidence you know, for both sides, it clears everything up because, you know, it, it helps out in the long run to have everything on video, which is evidence from what we've seen in Minnesota. So it's a really good opportunity for everyone to come together if we can do it. And I have no problem with a protest. I'd be pissed off, too. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. how can you look at that and say that's the right thing? You can, man. It's no. it was there's re- no justification for it. Yeah. The, you know, whoever was involved in that should be punished to the full extent of the law and just it it's really infuriating. Now, one thing I don't understand, and I'm going to say this, this may be controversial, but I'll say it. What I don't understand are the videos of people, you know, pushing shopping carts into Target and then walking out with TVs and things like that. To me, you're not protesting. You're an opportunist. And which, I think there's a huge, huge difference. Yeah, which, by the way, I don't know if you saw there are... Target has announced they're closing down several of their stores in Minnesota and Atlanta, some of these Philadelphia where the bigger protests are happening. And I don't know, Brad, that, that seems like a great way to get a lot of people on board. If Targets are shut down, that 
you know, that might anger some people who weren't angered before. So, well, well think about this. Uh, this is kind of interesting. So, just from the since we're talking business real quick, and I'm not trying to shift the conversation. Imagine you're like these local businesses, and you've set out this quarantine for like two months, like sweating bullets, and you're like, man, finally I can open my doors up and you know actually make some money again. And then people burn them down. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, it's not funny. It's just like you know, you've waited all this time, and the irony is, you waited all this time, you open up the doors, and now people are burning them. Yeah, it, man, you feel for those those people, and you you saw people in some of the videos of business owners trying to protect their stores, and you know some of them got beat up and knocked out for just for trying to protect their store. So I, I'm just really in, man. I'm really leery about judging any videos that I see initially, because I, I think if anything over the last five or six six years has proven, don't take the first video you see something at face value. Now the one in Minnesota of the man getting killed, that's a pretty easy one to see. I mean. That that happened. I saw it. You saw it. You said you never watch it again. Probably smart. But there are a lot of videos flying around out there, and I would encourage everybody if you're on social media, you know, if you see the first video of something, don't just form a, a complete opinion on it because something will come out two or three days later from a different angle that'll show something else. Don't absorb everything as a hundred percent fact because I just it's it's moving too fast, and it's hard to fact check everything when something is moving at this fast of a rate. Agreed, a hundred hundred percent. What do you think? Let me ask you this. So okay. I and and I've seen this on my Facebook feed, and and we've seen it on our Twitter feeds. People are literally saying, "Burn it down, burn it down." I mean, you get well, to the. What point, do you say to that? You get to the point, Brandon, that you you've protested time and time again. We've seen this time and time again, and what good have protests done? What change has there been over the last? decade there's been very little change and so you keep pushing people and pushing people and you say hey you need just you know protest but protest peacefully well what has protesting peacefully gotten them so in a way i'm not condoning it i'm just saying i i kind of understand i mean at at some point you've got to do something that's going to cause change so you if protesting peacefully doesn't institute change what what else do they have? I mean, that's what we've given them as, as kind of our contract in society. If you don't like something, you can protest or you can vote people out of office. Well, they've protested, and right now we we have a president who doesn't seem to be on their side whatsoever in helping them. Or at least that's that's the perception that they have. Whether whether you agree with President Trump or not, I think you can agree that these people protesting don't feel that President Trump has done anything to help them. So we, we've kind of backed them into a corner. It's kind of like, you know, you, you've backed a wild dog into a corner. What, do you, what are you expecting them to do? What other options are they left with at that point? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky situation. I, th- I do think there's some kind of middle ground between, you know, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and lighting your entire city on fire. I, I just kind of feel like, and, and I think Lexington has actually done a really good job with this. Yeah, kudos to Mayor Gordon and kudos to Lexington. Lexington Police. Things seem to have been pretty peaceful thus far. Yeah, and of course, as soon as we record this, you know, tomorrow something will happen. Of Let's, course. Uh, you know, we're not hoping that happens, by the way, but stuff's moving at such a rapid rate. But, you know, people are getting their message heard, and they're working with city police, not against them, not trying to, to incite violence or anything. It's It's a tricky spot, man. And, you know, I can see when you get, when you back somebody into a corner enough, they will get angry. 
and you know you can't be surprised that this is happening you know there's also reports that you know some of these people are coming in from outside of the area too i don't know if that's true or not Again, i don't know yeah I, i'll if that's true why haven't any of them been arrested uh yeah like, like you said don't believe everything you first hear yeah I, just take your time take a break soak it all in and wait for the final confirmation on everything because it, it's such a moving target at this point and you know we'll just see where it goes i I'm just glad that Lexington, up to this point, I feel like has done it the right way. You know, it's the way we saw the protest in um, Frankfurt for business until the guy obviously, you know, hung a Governor Bashir right. effigy. But again, it goes back to that. We've shifted the narrative almost from the initial protest to how it's handled. And I think that's a bit, you know, that's what you lose a little bit with all this. People are now debating not... The protest itself, which I think if you see any man kill another man, you know, everybody would be on the same page. But now you've shifted to the conversation of how should we protest it? And, you know, you just lose a little bit of the message and it makes it harder for people to stay on your side because now you've created a complete divide. It's down the middle, whereas before you had 100% of people on your side. Yeah. Or I won't never say 100%, but almost 100% of people on your side. Yeah. So it just. 2020, man, this has been the worst year ever. This things just keep getting worse. Uh, I, f- I feel like what what else can happen? Don't got, say that, Tyler. What, <laughs> don't say things that. Things have got to get better at some point. Tell you what, Brandon. The the smartest two people that I think are on the planet. Well, that were on the planet. The smartest two people were those two people that got launched in that rocket ship to, to space this weekend. Did you, did you get a chance to see that? Those people, they they knew. They're like, I got to get out of here, man. Like, the, things are going down on Earth. Like, get me into outer space because I can't handle this anymore. Yeah, I guarantee you that those uh, people that went up into space made one last run into Costco and got the bulk items on a lot of things <laughs> before they got launched up there. They've got like the 64 rolls of toilet paper and like, you know, the big jar of pickles <laughs> and like two gallons of mayonnaise and all that kind of stuff which, you know, if we're shifting the conversation a little bit, I think it's cool to be in space. I mean, it's feel. I feel like we stopped going there for a long time. Did, what, did you know, I had no clue about this until I actually watched a little bit of the, the event this weekend. We had not launched from American soil in over a decade. All of our launches had come from Kazakhstan. Did you know that? Yeah, because that's where Borat was from, Kazakhstan. Oh, okay. Yes, well, that's about that's about the only thing I knew about Kazakhstan. I had no idea we were launching rockets from there. It's been but, ten years, I think. Yeah, it's. I think that's ridiculous, man. I mean, space is where everything is where everything is headed, whether it's you know technology or improving the lives of people or just you know protecting the planet or you know even from a military perspective. There's a lot of strategic things about knowing everything you can know. Strategery. It's a lot of strategery about space. Um, so I, I think it's cool that we're going back out there. I just can't believe it's been that long. It's like a lost decade for innovation in space. I, I just can't believe we haven't been up. Yeah. If there are any extra tickets, I just sign me up for a colony in Mars right now, Brandon, because things are just going to crap here. And <laughs> yeah, if, if, if I could, you know, as long as I could take, you know, uh, Chipotle, if they, can you get Chipotle on Mars? If if we could get a Chipotle there, I would I would move my family there right now because oh, things man, here are not looking good. Maybe you could sponsor Mars. 
you know, Mars brought to you by Chipotle and they would send you free Chipotle probably for life. Yes, that would be great. And we could just have the Lex Buds and Pick and Roll podcast playing on loop for everybody on Mars. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> why aren't we doing Why didn't we think of this, Tyler? Oh, well, yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll sponsor the next space launch. <laughs> we will. Well, let me ask you, what do you think about the Space Force? So while we're talking about space, what, what do you think? So, so this has been a few months back, but since we're talking about space and I don't know when we're ever going to bring it up again, what do you think about the Space Force, the additional branch of the military? I know uh, I kind of threw that to uh, you. Didn't see that you're, coming. You're, you? you're going to have to fill me in on what the space force is. I've heard of it, but I don't really get what it is. So. Well, it's the United States force in space. Okay. So, Apparently, it's a military branch that's just going to focus on, you know, military. God, this is going to be the dumbest conversation I think we probably have <laughs> ever had on the history of this show. But I mean, I think reality is space is going to play a huge role in the future, um, in in a military fashion. I mean, how can it not? You know, if you're if you're in the lead with space, you're probably going to be ahead of the game in a lot of areas. Yeah, and we've got to be prepared like an Independence Day when the alien spacecrafts come and, and use our own satellites against us to send hidden signals. So it's very important we have that outer space area around our planet for, for the alien invasion that comes as well. Like they aren't already here, Tyler. You know better than that. They're already here. <laughs> oh, man. Moving on. Moving on. What what else? <laughs> what else is going on this week? Uh, if I guess we should talk a little bit of sports, since since Let's, that is the main and, premise and, of our show. Yeah, the main premise. And again, we talked about some heavy stuff here to to begin with. But if we didn't talk about it, you guys would be on our ass, and it would be a huge problem. And again, respect everybody's opinion. Even if you disagree with us, we hope you continued to to watch or to listen. And I hope that if you listen to other people's opinions on Facebook or Twitter. Don't unfriend people during this time. People are just trying to talk, right? If Just because somebody disagrees with you, don't unfriend them. Don't get angry with them. We're all trying to figure this out at the same time. Let's move on to the next subject, Tyler. Let's go to some lighter notes now. All right. Um, so UK announced the basketball team will start a three-year series with the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. I believe they're going to do... Uh, one home and home in a neutral site, Brandon. Is that correct? I think that's correct. Yes. Okay. What are What are your thoughts on playing Notre Dame? Does Does seeing Notre Dame on the schedule get you excited or not? You know what? It actually it it does, and I'm actually excited for the road game because I think the Notre Dame road environment is really exciting to play in. Now it's very difficult to play in because their home crowd is absolutely insane. They have the students there right next to the floor. I think it's cool, and I I think that Calipari is starting to listen to some of the season ticket holders that have been saying, hey, I'm paying all this money. I don't want to watch Southwestern Georgia State Technical College, uh, you know, 10 times on the home schedule. I hear they've got a really good team this year, though. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and if that's the case, we probably won't schedule them. Again. Yeah, exactly. We'll schedule some other, you know, uh, directional team. I think it's great. I don't see any downside to it at all, and... Do you, do you think it's a dig at Indiana at all? Uh, I, it does kind of make me smile a little bit that w- whether Calipari did this intentionally to kind of poke the bear at Indiana a little bit, it is great that Calipari refuses to play Indiana, but we're going to play their biggest rival. It, it is kind of nice. The, the name Notre Dame itself, it, it doesn't get me too excited. I mean, it's what what history, what tradition does Notre Dame basketball have? I mean, like you said, it's better than a directional school, but 
Man, I, w- I want to see the Blue bu- blue Bloods. I want to see us play North Carolina. I want to see us play Duke. I want to see us play Kansas. I want to see those teams on the schedule every year. Like Notre Dame, it's, it's fine. I mean, at least they're a power conference team. But it doesn't really get me too excited. I, I would much rather see a home-and-home with Duke I'd, or you know Kansas or North Carolina, programs like that. Notre Dame's better than nothing, but... Well, let me see that. I mean, if you're going to play all these blue blood teams, do you want to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? Because, I mean, reality is those teams aren't playing, you know, the hardest schedule in the world. Look at Duke's non-conference schedule every year. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. So do you want us to play five, you know, top 25 teams to start the non-conference every year and not get a number one seed and have a difficult run in the tournament while Duke gets put out in the West Coast region? They play, you know... Southwest Appalachian State in the first round, and plus they play all their games in North Carolina because they're a number one seed. So what do you do with that? How, how are you going to do that? Well, I mean, we're already losing to Evansville, so you could make oh, the, you, you could make the argument Jeez that we're going to we're going to lose games early anyway. So why not at least play against a good team that's going to get the fans excited? We're not going to get over Evansville, are we? No. Evansville, Evansville, Evansville. Uh, Calipari's yeah. going to be so disappointed in you. Yeah, he's probably not going to co- ever come on our show now since I just brought that up again. Well, you know, he hasn't been on yet anyway, so what's it matter? Yeah. We'll, we'll just keep the train running. I'm excited about it. You don't seem as enthused, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess last thing we did talk about last week, Brandon, the cheerleading scandal. Jomo Thompson, the head coach, Remained quiet for a little while. He didn't do any interviews. He didn't release any statements. Uh, just until this past week, um, you can go online oh boy, and, and oh see that statement. Um, yeah, no. that it's but that was an interesting article you put out. By the way, I got to say, if you go to oh, legsbuds.com, uh, you know we talk about what we thought was the worst week ever in Kentucky, where <laughs> yeah. we talk about effigies and then the cheerleading scandal. Um, you know, obviously the cheerleading squad being accused of hazing. Under the watchful eye, or maybe not so watchful eye, of the you know UK cheerleading staff, which include which included Jomo Thompson. You know, of course, he is responsible for all those national titles that we have too. So, talk about a big shift, man, when that came out. Holy cow! Yeah, it's it, it was big news, especially with nothing else going on. It definitely got a lot of national attention. ESPN had it as one of their headlines oh, when it came out. So. What, no. what what did he say? I know I know he put out a statement. All right, so but... let, let me let me pull it up here. Uh, mostly, it's just a bunch of boring. I want to thank everyone for supporting me. Yada, thank yada, yada. Yeah, we don't care. Boring, boring, boring. Uh, the the really only interesting part, at least that I thought is, uh, he said, and while I'm proud of the years of success, both in winning championships and helping the student athletes fulfill their dreams. I do not agree with the manner in which my relationship with the University of Kentucky came to an end. I feel as though I should have been given more of an opportunity to present my perspective on the facts and events that have been reported. I feel that the lack of opportunity... Sorry, I lost my place there. That really just put a bummer on the whole segment there. Nice work, Tyler. Sorry, yeah, I I fat-thumbed and it scrolled down. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. I should have been given more of an opportunity to present my perspective on the facts and events that have been reported... I feel the lack of opportunity to respond was unfair. However, life is not always fair. Isn't that true? There's one lesson I've left to teach the student athletes is that even when life is unfair, you must accept the things you cannot change with the same amount of class and dignity that you would accept the wins in life. 
So after hearing Thoughts that, Tyler, that. do you, do you think that that it happened or not? Do I think that all the things in the report happened? Yeah, absolutely, they happened. Okay, absolutely. I mean, they investigated this for three months. Three months. They interviewed every single cheerleader, every single coach. I'm sure they interviewed a lot of the parents around the program. If they, if there was something to be found. You would think in three months, either we've got the absolute biggest morons investigating this, or any person, intelligent person, had, had would have found something after three months. Nothing was found. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, after that statement came out, I thought, well, then that stuff definitely happened. Because I can tell you this, if I had won a school, however many national, how many national titles are there, Tyler? Uh... I mean, he won at least a dozen, if not more. Okay, uh, at least a dozen. If I had won a school, at least a dozen national titles. And I was completely clean of all charges, and they just booted me, and I say, we, you know, well, we just have to accept uh, the things that happen. Bull shiznit <laughs> is what I say. I, I would go in there. I was going to say guns a-blazing. That's not the right way to say it. I would go in there and say, hey, bud, you're completely wrong. I've won over a dozen national titles. You're wrong. Here's what it is. And... There's no way I would take it that casually. You're crazy. If you didn't do it, at least go to the court of public opinion and state your case. Oh, well, it's basically the equivalent of, oh, S-H-I-T happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wish I would have had a better chance. <laughs> I've only been here 20 years and won how many national titles? Ah, stuff happens, guys. Don't worry about it. Oh, that's a big, what a great lesson for the students. I tell you what, my lesson for the students would be is is if I was not guilty, I would say you fight not to the death. See, I'm getting violent again. I, I don't want to say you fight. Are, to you're the, getting angry. But you fight, man. How can you just sit there and say, I'm going to accept this wrongful decision with class and dignity? If it's wrong, it's wrong. You fight it, and you fight it in the court of public opinion if the university doesn't want you to fight it. It, it just reaffirmed to me. I was kind of on the fence on if it happened or not. After reading that... I think it's pretty clear. You don't go out that way if you didn't do it. I could not agree more, sir. He does not deny anything. He he wasn't given the chance, yeah. Tyler. Oh, I, I'm sure they didn't interview him at all. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure they just took everyone else's word. So, yeah, man, it's it. He he did. You know, at least he wasn't going out guns blazing and you know making a fool of himself and. You know, whatever he, you know, he at least, you know, it was a respectful, dignified exit for him. But yeah, it just it just proves to to our to our minds at least. I, me and you, I, I wasn't at Lake Cumberland to to witness if these happen things happened or not. But it sure makes it look like if, if you're not going to stand up and deny this and fight it, it, it definitely makes you look guilty. Whether that's fair or not, that's that's the perception he now has at, le- at least in our minds. Yeah, it really threw some water on the argument from the other side, in my opinion. It, it, if he was trying to at least make himself look like this didn't happen, in my opinion, it totally backfired. I, I didn't know if we'd agree on that or not. It's kind of interesting that we both kind of thought the same thing on that. That's Yeah, and the fact, like, we, like you pointed out, he won so many national championships. Uh, UK is not just going to let a guy go for something little. If, if they're that su- successful... And again, whether that's fair or not, you know, if you are a successful coach, you get a little more chances than 
somebody who doesn't win. Okay, winning earns you a little bit of leeway with university administration. So it had to be really, really bad. And honestly, Brandon, I don't think we heard the full story. I bet you that there are much more worse things that happened that the university found. But because of probably the respect they had for Coach Thompson and the fact he'd been there so long, I think they probably just decided not to let that information out. That's that's just just my personal opinion. Well, and you know, it makes me wonder if that's why he didn't fight it. Right. It may have been one of those situations where they say, you know, we could have more stuff here and we could leak that out, but I think it's best if you just leave, right? Mm-hmm. Leave quietly and gracefully. Yes. Yep. Now, of course, this is all alleged. Just for legal purposes, we don't know any of this stuff. Sure, yeah, don't quote us on that. Yeah, we weren't on the cheerleading squad. We weren't managers or anything, but that's kind of the way it is. Well, you know, I feel like we covered a lot of stuff. Um, we have got an exciting interview with former uh, UK linebacker Marty Moore coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, everything that's going on in the world today, but uh, Marty focuses a lot on youth sports, uh, which is a very uh, passionate subject of his. I thought it was a great interview. And you can tell he's really passionate about the subject. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back with our interview with uh, former UK linebacker, Marty Moore. And we'll see you right after the break. All right, we are back on the Lex Buds and Pick and Roll podcast. As a reminder, follow us on Twitter at Lex Buds and go to our website at www.lexbuds.com. Quick disclaimer before the interview begins. Um, my co-host Tyler was not able to be here in person for the interview, so you will notice him come in during the interview on the phone. We actually did a three-way phone call uh, with Marty Moore, uh, Kentucky legend, Kentucky linebacker, New England Patriot, Cleveland Brown. Um, so we're excited to have him on, but just so you know, you won't hear Tyler's normal tone during the interview. He will be joining us via phone, so you'll hear him jump in uh, partway through the interview. Hey, Brandon. How's it going? Hey, Marty. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. All right. So we are honored to have special guest on today, UK great legend. Uh, maybe that be might be putting it mildly. Uh, former New England Patriot and uh, Cleveland Brown as well. This is Marty Moore. Hey, Marty. Hey, how are you guys? We are doing great. We're we're all trying to survive uh, through the times that we're going through right now. How's how's everything been going for you uh, dealing with all this right now? You know, it's actually been uh, yeah, it's been going okay. I uh, I had back surgery two months ago and uh, took a week off work and and came back and I'm in the medical field, so we didn't really stop um, certain elective cases and all the trauma cases were were going. So I was in and out of the hospitals pretty much, you know, through the whole um, kind of shutdown. And then as we're coming back out of it, you know, I'm in, I'm in the hospitals again, kind of seeing how things have, um, they're starting to ramp up or trying to ramp up, if you will. Got it. You know, it's really interesting timing. I don't know if, if the Lexington Herald knew that we were interviewing you today or not, but there was an article put out this morning by John Clay in the Lexington Herald listing the top 10 defensive football players in UK history, and you were on the list. Did you get a chance to see that yet? I have not seen that. I, You know, a lot of that stuff gets printed and people will tell me about it, but 
but I have I've not uh, not seen that from John. He he covered me when I was at UK, and um, yeah, I haven't talked to John in a long time. But we are Facebook friends, so you know we'll send a message here and there. But um, I was really close to John when I was playing at UK, so. Uh, I need to thank him for uh, putting me in that top ten. I think you need to talk to John and, and tell him that he put you too low. He had you all the way down number ten. I, I think he needs to have you a little higher up. I, I think you need to talk to him about that. Yeah, yeah, I might have a little. I might, I might have to look at that list and see if I agree or disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a pretty good so, list when you go through it and realize how many really talented defensive players have have come through the university. It's really impressive and. And on the UK football note, just your two cents on how NCAA football and UK football is trying to move forward in the fall. Obviously, there's limitations and restrictions, but do you have just any general thoughts on what you would like to see or any information that you're hearing or have heard from anybody within the football world there about how they're going to try to work this puzzle in the fall? Well, you know, what I, what I think, you know, starting to see is, you know, you're starting to see the numbers decline. And we're coming into the summer, and this is very similar. This is a coronavirus. So it's, you know, it's flu-like virus. So I think as we kind of transition through the summer, you're going to have, you know, you see Florida, you see basically all the southern states are opening up. And Kentucky, you know, as far as football in the SEC conference, we cannot let those people get their, their student-athletes trained and them back without getting ours back. So I think the SEC is trying to make everything um, fair, but I do think that our student-athletes need to get back on campus, you know, in June, and I don't care if they work out in groups of 5, 10, whatever, but we got to start getting those kids back ready because I do feel like we're going to be going back to school in the fall. And you know, the University of Kentucky being part of the SEC, we are, you know, the, the, the other people within the conference are going to put a lot of pressure on us to get our students back and have a football season. Because if there's not a football season, then people don't realize how much revenue is lost. And it's not about revenue. We're talking about, you know, we got to be conscious of what's going on, but we're starting to learn more and more about the coronavirus. And, washing your hands and using good hygiene and, you know, the elderly people, you know, make, make sure that they stay. And, and that's the thing I tell people, this is a volunteer. You can do everything. If you don't want to be outside, you don't have to be. You can have your groceries delivered. You can stay inside and self-quarantine. We're in a day and age where you don't have to go to the grocery store. You don't have to leave your house if you don't want to. So those, those things are going to have to come into play but our student-athletes need to be back on campus in June training and being ready for the fall because uh, I do think we're going to have a football season. And I do think that we'll probably all have to wear masks to go to the games and we'll have to wash our hands and they may take your temperature. But there's going to be certain things that it's going to be like the Super Bowl, right? So I was in the 2001 Super Bowl when 9-11 hit. And when you went to the game, you had to be checked through security metal detectors, padded down. And that's kind of what it's going to be like going to football games and events probably through the fall into next year. But I do feel like we have the means to be able to make sure people are safe and that we are able to have a season. Now, that's my opinion. Obviously, you know, we've, we've got a governor who's, you know, he's, he's 
probably that you know sticks to every guideline to the to the letter, but we need to basically not be the last to join in the SEC and risk you know having a season without University of Kentucky. So that that's the concern I have. Yeah, Marty, you mentioned uh, I had this on my list of questions to ask you, but since you already brought up playing in the Super Bowl, uh, we I, I thought we just go ahead and talk about that. Uh, just. How cool is it, man, to, to play in a Super Bowl? I'm sure it's what you dream of as a kid growing up. Uh, is it just surreal the whole time? Or, I mean, does it eventually calm down to where it feels like it's just another football game? Can you just kind of tell us about that day, your experience playing in a Super Bowl? You know, the hype of the Super Bowl is what gets you. And you don't really realize it. You know, I tell everybody my biggest regret when I was in the NFL was I never – I never kind of took a deep breath and, you know, said, man, I'm in the NFL. Like, I'm at the, I'm at the highest level that you, you can aspire to as a professional athlete. And I, when we played in the Super Bowls, I was always focused on, you know, the game, you know, and my opponent and watching film. And, you know, and then you get to that stage and you've got the halftime show and the pregame show and, uh, Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick, they took us out of the city on Thursday night. And, um, you know, you always kind of wondered why. Well, why aren't we getting out of the city and going to a remote location? Now, as an NFL Legends representative, and I have to go to the Super Bowl and work the Super Bowl, I know why. I understand why. Because it is the biggest event in sports in the world. I mean, there are so many people that come to the Super Bowl and – not only go to the game, but it's the atmosphere in the city. It's, you know, the, the influx of fans. And it is larger than life. And when you play in that game and all of a sudden it hits you, you're almost hyperventilating. You know, I mean, I look back and watch the Super Bowls and I'm going, oh, I remember that play. Oh, I remember that play. And you kind of remember certain plays, but it's such a blur when you're playing because by the halftime, I was out of energy. Like, I needed a B12 shot, and I needed somebody to, I mean, it's like a nap, you know? But yeah. it was, uh, the adrenaline runs through your body so fast that you just feel exhausted in the second half. And um, I remember when the Patriots were playing the Atlanta Falcons, and they came back and beat them. I, I, I was sitting there watching the game, and I was saying, you got to get to the second half. Like, the Patriots couldn't stop Atlanta's defensive line. I said, just wait till the second half. They're going to run out of gas. And that's what happens. You run out of gas. And it's kind of the, you know, the team that can not get their emotions so ramped up and can get that last burst of energy in the fourth quarter that you need to win a football game. And um, the calmer you are, I think, the better. And that's why you see teams that, you know, have been there, like the Patriots, and they, they get there. And the Super Bowls, they win, and they win, and they win those big games. And then, you know, they're they're constantly getting deep in the playoffs because when they play big games, they view it as it's just another game. It's not it's not the AFC Championship, or it's not a do or die. We got to get we got to win this to get to the AFC Championship. It's just another game to them. So they go in loose and relaxed, and fourth quarter, their adrenaline's not gone, and they can stay focused. And and um, you know, that's the biggest thing for. For me, is you know playing in those big games. You know, I learned after the first one, like calm down. The second one, 
you know, just yeah. calm down and, you know, kind of, kind of take it in and breathe and, you know, just kind of relax. And, um, you have to learn that as a player. You just don't show up to those big games. Even playing in the SEC, you know, you're playing in huge stadiums and big crowds. But, um, when you get to the NFL, it's, it's, it's ramped up even more because of the media and, you know, all the attention that goes on with those, um, those big games. And, um, it's exciting. It's, it's things you, you cherish and you kind of pinch yourself and, you know, um, when uh, when you kind of look at your your rings, you go, man, I, that this is the greatest achievement that uh, one could a, could achieve, and then and I've been there. So it's um, you know I feel I feel like as a kid you grow up dreaming about it, and I feel very fortunate that I was able to achieve it. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. To, and that kind of explains uh, a lot about why the Patriots have been uh, so good that they have that experience and. Uh, are able to stay calm through the whole game. I, I've got to ask you, Marty. I I am a big Cleveland Browns fan. Uh, full disclosure. Uh, so it's an honor not only to talk to a former Wildcat but a former Brown as well. Um, so I wanted to ask, what are kind of you, things you've seen as far as just kind of the differences in culture? Because you've got two teams that have basically been at opposite ends of the spectrum in the last two decades, and that the Patriots have won multiple championships, and the Browns have. Obviously, struggle. There's been constant changes in management and leadership. Could, could you just kind of compare what it was like to go from New England to Cleveland and then back to New England? What What did you kind of feel like the culture differences were there? Well, I, I will say this: it is it, winning football is and winning in everything. I mean, it's not football; it's baseball; it's life. You know, as a corporation, if you don't have a culture. You know, I'm in corporate America right now, and everyone talks about getting a culture. You know, and I kind of sit in the meetings, and, and I go, what are you talking about? Like, I've, I've never been bad. I've, I've been part of a winning culture, and I've been part of a losing culture. You know, and so when we do all these events to kind of teamwork and all these things to do as a corporation, I'm going, this is the same stuff I did my entire life, you know, until I got into corporate America. And when I was with the Patriots, the culture was, you know, everyone drove, uh, you know, a midsize, you know, we drove SUVs and pickup trucks. And we went to work and everyone was done. If you weren't in that weight room by 7, 38 o'clock, we were calling you up going, where are you at? Like, what were you doing last night where you can't get this workout? And we were holding people accountable as teammates. And, and you know, everyone was gone in the afternoon and we are spending time together. You know, it was either golfing or cookout or just hanging out and when I went to the Cleveland Browns it was pulled in the parking lot you had Maserati, Ferraris it wasn't about the uh, it wasn't about you know winning it was about what what I got and what you know it, I'm in it for me and it was a total me versus team when I went to the Cleveland Browns and to change that culture takes years and the problem with the Browns is they've never they've never stuck with anyone long enough to get the culture changed with the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know they've got coaches, but you know in the NFL, if you don't win in three years, you're out. Well, up in the Cleveland Browns, they got to stick with somebody for maybe that four or five years. You know, maybe give them a little bit more time to get the right players and the right people on on the team 
and change the culture. Because Bill Parcells would always say, and Bill Belichick, I'm sure, does the same thing because they're kind of, they, they do very, seem very similar. They would just go through the NFL and they would say, they're never going to win. Like, they only had to beat 10 teams in the NFL. They'd say, they, they self-destruct. You know, they, they're not organized. You know, they're, they're too many superstars on that team. They're going to collapse. And it was dead on. And if you look at the Cleveland Browns, you go, it's culture. They got terrible culture. They're never going to win. So if they don't change the culture and get a winning attitude, and in my opinion, not having the best players, you know, and the egos is not, it, sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes you get too many egos in the room. And you need role players, and you need leaders, and you need some guys who can make make plays. But you don't have to have the best of the best on your team to win. Um, you got to have a collective group of young men that want to put the time in, and the effort, and the work, and are pulling toward the same goal. And that's what the Patriots do well. And if you don't get on the team, and you don't get building that, you know buy into that culture quick, they just get rid of you. There's there's tons of guys who want to play in the NFL. They'll just get rid of you. Cleveland, they, they need to put more guys on that bus instead of we're going to bring in all these all-pros. We don't need all-pros in Cleveland. We need guys that are on the bus that are going to – it's kind of like the old, the old Roman ships, right? You know, we need guys who are rowing the boat, and we need a big group of guys, and then we need the drum – you know, a guy banging the drum at the front. And um, and getting everybody on the same page. So, yeah, I, I still work with the Cleveland Browns. I love the organization; bunch of great people. Um, but they need they need everyone rowing and a couple guys drumming. And uh, I think they'll get things together. But they still have two or three more years, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's only taken them twenty. 22 years marty i'm sure year 23 will change right tyler tyler is the perpetual this is our year browns fan it's every year I, well, pre, pre-season i went up last year and i drank the kool-aid right so i went up to their golf 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 outing and i listened to the you know all those guys talk and i got in the stands and, the, and I, when i pulled up to the stadium and they pulled us up in a big charter bus under the stadium and I look over, and there's Odell Beckham's orange Rolls Royce with gold gold rims and gold trim. I thought, God, we're in trouble. I just knew we were in trouble. I'm like, this, this is you know, this is a Van Cleveland Browns team that I drove into that parking lot and you know saw you know saw a totally different culture, and, and that culture hasn't changed. So the culture's got to change in Cleveland before they're ever going to you know become a good football team. They yeah. got a lot of talent. They got a lot of talent. And, you know, Jedrick, um, who they drafted, you know, he's from Lexington, Boston when he was in high school, and uh, the kid matured quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously, Nick Saban was going to kind of put him in the right direction. Um, but um, he's a hell of a player. And they're going to have, you know, him be that plus tackle and, you know, hopefully solidify their line and you know, get some good things going. But, uh, but it's uh it's pretty uh pretty interesting, you know, how things keep changing and uh, the the coaching staff keeps shifting every year. So they really they really need to just make a decision and and kinda of go with it for four or five years and let let some people have control and um, 
but no football rather than all these analysts they've hired and, you know, the owner thinking he knows how to coach. You know, I'm like, you know, you run your J&Js and your pilots. You know how to do that very well. Let, let your football coaches coach and give those guys some time. And I think they'll have a good football team because they, they do have a lot of talent. Yeah, absolutely. See, Brandon, what I'm taking away from that, Jedrick Wills is the missing piece, just like I told you, and the Browns will make the playoffs this year, just like I said. Moving on. I, I'm done with the Browns conversation. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I, I believe it when I see it, so we're going to move on. So, so Marty, uh, you know, what prompted uh, me to reach out to you was um, – you know, there's been a lot of stuff going on with youth, with youth sports. Uh, there's been some new guidelines from the state of Kentucky, you know, putting out guidelines for how to return to sports. And I know that you are involved um, with a group that is encouraging, uh, basically letting the kids play, letting the kids uh, get back to their sports. And in fact, isn't that the name of the group? Let them play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's a page that w- was created to you know have some people have a voice and you know, be able to email the attorney general and, you know, get, get, uh, get, get some people on board, you know, with, um, with making, making some headway on what, where we're going. We came out with youth guidelines for, for T-ball, but you know, if you, if you, you know, for baseball, for little league baseball, but you know, let's look at the other sports. Let's, let's look at the kid who can't take a piano lesson, right? I mean, that's not, that's typically, it's not a sport, but it's an after school activity. It's an activity that, some kids, you know, they're right now they're not allowing that. They're not allowing kids to do karate, soccer, um, you know, all these different activities that kids do. And and sports are a huge part of of, a, of the culture for children, you know, and especially high school. You know, that was just 12 and under. Let's talk about the high school kids that, you know, they're trying to earn a scholarship or they're trying to get some exposure to maybe get on the radar of a recruiter to maybe – I have an opportunity to play. Uh, and let alone, let, you know, we talk about, you know, kids go through a lot of emotional time. I mean, you know, there's a high rate of suicide in kids. There's a high rate of, you know, of um, different things and issues that they have. I mean, my dad died at 16 years old. He died in my arms. And if I didn't have football and that support group to get me through that time in my life, I might have went down the path of what my brother did and become a drug addict. So, you know, I, I just look at it and I go, we got to get these kids out, you know, on the field with mentors, with their parents, and, you know, have them focus on some goals and not be sitting at home on the Xbox, on their phones, you know, getting in trouble. I mean, kids are going to find something to do. If you don't have them, if you don't have something structured for them to do, they're going to do, do something that is not good. And that's my whole thing is, is we are at a stage where you see other states, Florida, New Jersey, um, Texas. I mean, everyone is kind of opening up and expanding what they're allowing kids to do. And kids are not, they're not the ones susceptible to this virus. They're not the ones that are getting, getting sick and, you know, having issues. It's the elderly population and people with comorbidities. You know, those are the ones that have, you know, kind of manage what they're doing. It's not the kids. So why are we not setting guidelines saying, okay, we're going to do it this time? You know, and if something, you know, if we get some something that, you know, kind of puts the brakes on it, okay, we'll look at it. But you're not seeing that anywhere across the country. And our governor, he's not really, he's not really doing anything. He's just waiting for, you know, 
other people to make decisions because he doesn't want to be the one that steps out on the plank and get it chopped off behind you. And, you know, as a leader, you ran for governor for a reason. You're supposed to lead this state and start leading because right now you're just waiting for somebody to push you out there, you know, and you're inching out there. Well, let's take some steps and see what happens. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just frustrated because I see the bigger picture with kids and the impact it has not having sports and not having, you know, something to go to. Just a little, I, I coached youth football. I ran the league. I still coach my son in high school. I will tell you that on my youth football teams, there were a lot of kids that had were divorced. Parents were divorced. I was constantly asked to be a mentor for those kids on my, on my teams. And they looked at me like I was their dad or I was that mentor in their life. So what we've done is we've taken the mentorship away from the coaches and we've put them on the sideline. And these kids right now are looking for something. And I just don't want them to look in the wrong place. And that's, that's why I'm really wanting to let them play. Let them get back on the field. Let's, let's get, get these kids back doing something positive and being around their friends and, and things that are positive in their lives. And that's really my whole premise of, you know, let them play and, you know, why I, I support, support that action and, and get it going because it's, it's more than, it's more than wins and losses. It is, it is about the kids and their mental and physical um, well-being. What has been the response from the group? So you said your goal was to, to push this up and have uh, you know the attorney general look at, look at some things as well. Have you gotten a response from the folks um, in the government? Have you heard anything back? You know, we haven't, we haven't heard anything back. You know, I think that the way, the way Kentucky's going right now is, you know, if you, everyone, the, the sports thing, everyone's kind of being, hey, we're going to get it out there. We're going to get out there. So, so everyone's kind of like, okay, they're going to get it to us. They're going to get it to us. And no, and, and people are support. I mean, we had over 15,000 people view the page in two days. We had, you know, 55 emails, you know, to the lieutenant, uh, attorney general. You know, we, we've had responses, but I think everyone's kind of waiting to see see what happens and then if they kind of come down and say this is this is what's going on this is the hammer then i think you're going to see either people you know really blow up the people down you know in frankfurt or maybe even get a protest together to to go down there but everyone's waiting and that's what's going that's the problem though is we all keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing's being done so my whole thing is, is like people get on the page. So let's, let's, let's get something to where they have to set guidelines. They're not these, well, you can have a practice, but you can't play a game and you can, you can, um, your travel team can't leave the state or you're going to lose your high school eligibility. I mean, that's, that's ludicrous to me. You know, I mean, that's your, that's your kid. If you want to get a, get a travel team together and go play it in states that are allowing it, why would you take that kid's eligibility away when he comes back just because your state isn't allowing it that's that's it just some of these things just seem 
really like they're trying to put handcuffs on on kids and and to me that's wrong and i think that the more people that we make aware of the situation then the more they're going to look into it but right now you know everyone's like well we're going to follow these guidelines and you know and they're not really looking at the the infection rate or you know the increase are we having an increase in a decrease in it what's the kids you know there's the guidelines set to me just don't even make sense they don't make sense i think they need to be a state by state you know because we're not we don't fall into the same guidelines as new york city I mean, that's, you know we don't have that population we don't have that density you know we don't fall in the same you know as, as different others i mean texas even it's 110 degrees down there you know it's you know people are spread out we don't you know there's different demographics that we as a state don't fall into so we need to have our own guidelines we need to have our own parameters on what we will and won't allow and we're just we're following this standard but the standard doesn't work all the time for everybody and we need to really look at you know what's working within our geography and make some make some guidelines and to get our kids back to get our kids back on the field to get to get our kids moving again i i find it i find you know the other thing is, is I, kids can't go to a personal personal trainer i mean that's a one-on-one you can't i can't take my kid to do a personal training with a personal trainer or my son to, to go to a hitting coach or my daughter to take a violin lesson you can't do that right now and i'm like where does that even make sense we can walk into a restaurant we're talking about having the kentucky derby in september but we can't have a football game at commonwealth stadium or at a high school i mean we're in five hundred thousand people packed in, in churchill downs or you know i mean that's that's where things to me just i look at it and go who is making this, these decisions so my you know my focus is on the kids because i think that it you know, we're taking opportunities away from the kids. I think we're taking high school kids that have an opportunity to better their life by getting a college scholarship or, you know, having a, a chance to, to do something positive, you know, that be on the team and having friends and, you know, and having that interaction or furthering your education. But right now, it's all in limbo because we won't make decisions and put guidelines and, and, you know, not just fluff guidelines, hard guidelines, hard deadlines. Here's when we're going to start. Here's what we're doing. And that's really what needs to be done. We don't need any more, well, we're going to see how this goes. No, it needs to be here and, you know, and think down the line of when we're going to start, what we're going to do. And then if we have a problem, we can always pull back, but there's, certain dates that need to happen to where we can flip the light switch on and people can make solid plans and and know what we're doing and what we're not doing. That's that's the biggest thing for me. It's just the leadership going on right now is, is not good in my opinion. Now, so my guess is the kids really want to get back to the sports, but there's always two sides of the coin, right? They, there has to be a, a parent or guardian driving these kids to these practices what are you hearing from parents um, of these kids? I mean, what what is their take on parents, all this? Yeah. There's not been one parent. There's not been one parent tell me they don't want their kid to get back. 
I've not had one parent tell me that I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want my kid going back and playing. Not one. So if there's a parent out there that says, "Well, I'm worried about my kid and being around other kids," I t- I tell them, I'm like, "Well, then, you know, it's your prerogative to tell. You know, you are the adult, so you can tell your son or daughter, "Hey, I don't want you playing because of this." You know, I think you you're gonna have to sit out. And that's on them. That's on them and their child. You know, I mean, but I haven't had one parent tell me that they do not want their kid playing playing any sport. I've not heard that. Do you think that's because so they really that, really want them playing sports or because they've been stuck in the house with them for three months? Well, I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just asking. I got I mean, two boys. I, so. I will say this. I will say this. I have heard a lot of people tell me that this whole home that the that the uh, the homeschooling you know online deal is the biggest joke in the world, and um, that their kids didn't learn anything during during the spring. I've heard that multiple times. That they said that you know my 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 son or my daughter did not learn a thing this this uh, this spring because online classes were just pitiful. And um, I think if you have a kid that you know, as a smart kid and, you know, did it, then they were fine. But other, the other kids who needed work and needed help, I, I think they struggled. But I do think that parents do want to, you know, um, get the kid out of the house for any possible because they have been with them. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the, I'm not saying that's the case with me, Marty. I just, I have a friend that told me that and I was just, just throwing that out there. Uh, hey, I've got, two, I've got two college daughters and, and a, and a son, uh, and uh, they are they are they're 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 about to kill each other. So I I totally understand it. That's uh, you know, uh, Marty. I'm, I'm actually a former teacher. Uh, I spent eight years teaching middle and high school, and uh, I, I just want to tell you, I, I think what you're doing working with young kids is is great. Uh, I saw so many kids when I was teaching that really could go one of two ways. The, you know, down the track, if they had a positive role model, they could be a good influence. And I, I could, I could always tell like, it's kind of like a light bulb coming on and when, when they finally got somebody to work with them and be that person that they could look up to. And I know you, you know, with your history in football, that those kids really look up to you and respect you. And I think it's just a great thing uh, for you working with young kids and being a mentor for them. I, I can tell you it truly does make a difference because I've seen it happen. Well, I mean, you know, I, I my little kids that I coach, you know, I've been coaching my son seven, you know, and uh, I, will, I will say that uh, when, you, when you start coaching, you know, as a coach, I know that my coaches, you know, they I, – I looked up to them like my dad. You know, I mean, my dad – when he passed away, it was my coaches. Those were my dads. You know, I mean, Mike Archer, Larry Newick, Kay, you know, Al Groh, and Dante Sparnecki at the NFL. I mean, you know, those guys, I was with them every day, spending Thanksgiving with them, Christmas with them. You know, if I needed advice, I was calling them and talking to them. And, um, you know, it's uh, the coach is more than a coach on the field. And, you know, these, these kids, you know, they, uh, they learn so many lessons in life from sports they really do i mean you learn you know teamwork and leadership and never giving up and you know all these things that you have to endure throughout your life you learn at these critical ages you know even 
you might have a kid that may maybe was on the fence about playing these sports, and all of a sudden he's like, "Well, I want to play." You may have changed that kid's life forever, but now you took it away, and so now you may have missed an opportunity to change the kid's life. And you know, and I know that we're going through a pandemic, and I know you know, I don't. I'm not a quick on it a pandemic because we. I think the media made it a pandemic, in my opinion. I think we we were going through a you know a, a very bad virus and something we did not know enough about at the time, and we told, shut everything down to make sure the hospital systems had everything they needed, you know, for all these patients to get there who were infected, and we didn't see that in Kentucky. And we're you know, talking about the second wave. Well. We didn't see a first wave. We're not going to see a second wave. And so those things that we've kind of gone through the, the, the tunnel, now as we come out, we need, to, we need to get those opportunities back before they're lost. And so that's kind of my head, let it play. Let's get these kids who, you know, we're thinking about it. Let's get them on the field. Let's, get, let's change their lives. Let's help them, you know, um, become – you know, maybe a, you know, a better father or, you know, mother or, you know, let them learn a little hard work and adversity and, um, you know, uh, time management and you know, all the things that, all those things that you learn playing sports. And, um, and I think that we just don't need to keep on the sideline watching. We need to be proactive and we need to be doing more to get them back on the field. So if they want to, if uh, people listening to this interview want to join the group, can you just, again, it's the Facebook group. What's the official name if, in case anybody wants to search that? So it's let, it, it's let, um, let play and then let them play is the page. So if they just go to let them play 2020 there, you know, they can go on there. There's the attorney general's email. You, you know, you can email him, you know, just your concerns post on the page being monitored um, by the state and um, we can let people know how we feel there's a lot of people out there that want the kids to play I think some people are fearful you know stick their neck out there because you know certain people just don't want to be involved Um, there's other people that you know think that someone else is going to do it for them so they're not going to you know but I encourage everybody to do something you know, it's it's the old adage of if you don't got a hundred bucks to give, give me a penny. So just send a few words. Doesn't have to be much, but we need to get some help and get get some momentum to put some pressure to get the kids playing again. And that's all I'm trying to do. No, that makes sense. And you know, as, as part of our website and our podcast, we always try to give all sides to the story. I think that you know the side that says to you know, shut everything down. We can't come out of the house for several months. There, there's enough coverage on that. So we just try to give the other side. And I think what you're doing is um, a great service for everyone. It, if nothing else, just to give voice to the other half of the population that may think differently. So that's great. Um, you know, moving beyond all that, I'm glad we got to talk about it. Just in general, before we wrap up, uh, what do you think about what the UK football team has done the last couple of years and, and the job? Stoops and his uh, staff have done. I'm just curious. Uh, you know, here, here's here, here's what I think that you know. Um, I think that Coach Stoops and his staff have done a wonderful job. And these guys, they're they're recruiting, they're working, 
Coach Stoops has brought in great coaches. You know, if you go through that staff of coaches, everyone's going after our coaches every year. That's a great sign. We've never had a UK has always been a stepping stone for a coach. You know, Lovey Smith was here when I played. You know, Lovey moved on to, you know, have a great career in the NFL and, you know, win a Super Bowl and now he's head coach at Illinois. You know, I can go on about all these different coaches that use Kentucky as a stepping stone. Coach Stoops has kept these coaches here. And, you know, we have had some people leave and we've let some people go. But I think that the, the, the culture over at the University of Kentucky has changed. It has changed. The mentality's changed. Kid, those kids don't go into games, but we're going to get beat. They go in, we're going to win. And the staff recruits their butts off. They work their butts off. And I, and I think they've done a great job. I think Mitch Barnhart has done a great job, you know, by allowing, you know, all the, all those pieces that need to take place in regard to retaining coaches and regard to building the facility. Um, you know, Mitch has done a great job with that. Um, I, I really felt that when Brooks was here, we were going to take the next level when Joker came in and, I don't, I don't want to get into that, but we digress. But, but Stoops has brought us back, and, and I see nothing but upside. You know, I, I see us, you know, seven, eight, nine win seasons consistently, and then hopefully we'll have one of those seasons where we catch magic in a bottle and, and we've, got, we've got these kids and we, you know, we win the SEC East and, you know, we have a legitimate shot, a shot of winning the SEC. I mean, um, I don't think we, we're going to be doing that next year. But I see some great young talent that's on that team and us getting better recruits. So I think, you know, in four or five years, you may see us, you know, um, you know, contending at that level. But we're definitely going to be a bowl team every year going forward. Um, you know, last year, talk about coaching. To go to a bowl game last year with the quarterback situation we had, I mean, I don't think you, I, don't, I think those coaches coached their butts off last year, just based on the pure fact of what they were dealing with from an offense and the offensive line and the scheme. I, I don't think you could have gotten a better coaching staff to coach us through those games in our season like they did. I really don't. I think they did a tremendous job. And I just hope that we have a quarterback that can do the things that Eddie wants to do because I think that he's really been hamstrung over the last two years not really having a quarterback that can get, that can do the things that he would like to do in the offense. So if that can happen, I think you're going to see more dynamic um, offensive play and it's going to open things up and we'll, we'll, we'll be more exciting than we've been in the past. But we're going to win. We're going to win some games, and uh, I'm just going to be more prouder of, of our uh, of our coaches and, and what they've done. Well, uh, Marty, we really appreciate you coming on today. Um, you know, you, you've given us ample time here to cover a lot of different topics and talk about youth sports. Um, really appreciate you coming on, and we may pick your brain a little bit uh, as the football season goes along and maybe ask for your two cents on uh, – you know, any topics that come up through the season. You're obviously very knowledgeable, uh, the people of the state. 
I respect you and your opinion greatly. Uh, you gave a lot to the university. You know, for Tyler, I know it's a big deal because you were a Cleveland Brown. So you're not a Patriot. You're a Cleveland <laughs> Brown to, to Tyler. That's, that's right. Hey, Tyler, I did post the, so the on my Twitter. I threw out they had uh, done throwback uh, Brown pictures. And there's yeah. a picture of me and Wally Rayner. And I think it's Orpheus Roy tackling Eddie George against the Titans. Oh, and that nice. was the last. That was the last game I played in Cleveland. About nine o'clock, it started snowing, and by the end of the game, there was about five inches of snow, and uh, we were we were not good that year at all. And um, I, I just remember tackling Eddie George and sliding about five feet on the snow every time. Every time you tackled him, and uh, they, they posted that picture, and I was like, "Oh man, this could be football season." If they, uh, if they delay the season, we could be playing in January in the snow. So, uh, but uh, we'll see. Hey, Marty, what's yeah, your what's your Twitter handle so people can follow you on Twitter? I uh, believe it's just Marty Moore five eight. I'm sure. I think it might be underscore five eight. Marty Moore underscore five eight. I'm not a big Twitter guy. I mean, you know, my NFL job. I have that Twitter and Instagram and, and things, but um, I don't I don't do a lot. I'm doing more with it now because my son, the way that he recruited is through Twitter. It's crazy. I mean, you know, they, 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 all these coaches, you know, they follow the kids and tweet about them. And so I'm posting his workouts and his videos. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do more of more Twitter now than I have just because of my son and his recruiting. So it's interesting. Uh, is Marty, is, yes or no, do the Browns make the playoffs this year? Not this year. They'll have a seven and nine season. They'll have a seven and nine season, and uh, you got to understand the conference they're in. You know, I mean, they got the they got Pittsburgh and they've got Baltimore. So you know they'll you know they'll probably go you know maybe three and five in the conference, and then I don't see them winning you know more you know, more than um, you know seven games in the in the non conference. You know, that means you go seven and one in non-conference. That's not going to happen. So, I, I think I think that they've got maybe next year that they'll you know beat beat maybe Baltimore once and Cleveland once and roll the Bengals and they'll have a four or five win conference record and then they'll be ten games. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how you got to look at it. You got to look at their conference and how many conference games can they win. And you know that's that's where I'm like you know. You, Maybe eight and eight. If you, it's really bad, they could maybe hit the playoffs at eight and eight. But nine and seven, eight, eight, nine and seven. That's really stretching it in the AFC when you got teams last year that were winning ten, eleven games as wild card teams. A couple more years. Yeah. All right. I, I, I guess there's always next year. That's always <laughs> next year. <right? laughs> that's awesome. Well, Marty. Uh... <laughs> That's hilarious. First, thank you for uh, giving Tyler a dose of reality. I do appreciate that. Um, but 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 we really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks so much for giving us the time. And uh, if you don't mind, we'd love to have you uh, on as a guest once football season gets ramped up. And if you have any more news on the youth sports, uh, you know, please feel free to contact us, and we'll you know share any information that you have. I will. I will for sure. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, thank Marty. You, Marty. All right. All right. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Welcome back to episode eight, Lex Buds and Pick and Roll Podcast. This will be our final segment of the show. We appreciate you hanging around and listening to that great interview with Wildcat legend Marty Moore. 
had some very interesting topics, Brandon. Just kind of wanted to run through some of the highlights from that interview. And it was get, interesting. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, he, he had some strong takes on some things. You think? Uh, yeah, just, just just a little bit. <laughs> uh, also, had just a very knowledgeable guy about football. I, I hope we can get Marty back on once football actually gets up and running because I don't think there are many more people in the state of Kentucky that know more about football than him with his experience. So it's just kind of cool to hear about his playing days and, and what he thought about the current football team and the job that Stoops has done. But just some really really good stuff, Brandon. Uh, Absolutely. What 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 was your biggest takeaway from the interview? Well, I, I guess I should start with the, you know, the biggest issue that Marty wanted to talk about and the reason we actually called him to to do the interview was youth sports and letting the kids play. I mean, you and I both have kids. We do. Right? That's good. I thought you did, Tyler. I, you know, I was just double-checking. <laughs> two of them, actually. Two of yeah. them. I do, too, Tyler. That's good. So, uh, But we have two kids. I got two boys. You got two girls. And, you know, he seemed very adamant about letting the kids play. If your son or daughter were playing sports, let's say they're playing t-ball or baseball, do you want them back out on the field right now? Boy, you had to ask me that, didn't That's you? That's right. We're getting right to it, buddy. We don't mess around here. Dude, I, we, we're, you know, even though our kids aren't into sports yet, they, they do currently, they take swim lessons. And so their swim lessons have been canceled during all this. And that place is reopening, I think, actually next week. And we have them signed up uh, to go back to swim lessons. So I, I, I kind of feel like if I'm taking them to that, then... I don't think there there would be a reason that I could say that I wouldn't let them play sports. Otherwise, I don't feel like sports are going to be any, any worse than, than getting to a swimming pool with other kids. So I w- would definitely have to have some conversations. And you know, a- as they get older, they can kind of have some input into the conversation too. But if I, I guess if if our governor, if if our government has said it's safe for kids to go and play and they've instituted safe guidelines then if the kids wanted to play i I guess i would probably let them yeah and for me i would let them play too um you know i think there are a lot of important lessons that kids learn in sports and there are some guidelines out there now (laughs) some of the youth sports guidelines i just sat there and looked at them the other day and i'm like are they even going to be able to play the sport i feel like they can't physically move without sanitizing or attempting to sanitize their whole body um so i'm interested to see where that goes but you know i I would let mine play i don't have any problem with that at all now you you mentioned the governor's (laughs) guidelines to say that you know he had some strong opinions on the governor i think would be putting it mildly yep he he definitely called the governor out really he think he, he had a line that said you, you you ran for governor to be a leader so start leading uh, wow that was i mean there there's there's no question about how he feels and the the need he feels that of leadership that we are lacking right now so i, I would love to get governor Bashir and marty moore into a room and just let them hash this thing out over you sports and, and see what results from that conversation yeah it was an interesting conversation and you know i don't think we can necessarily dive into that i mean people have i think at this point we've been in this thing for two months people have formed their opinions and i don't think we're going to change them but it would be interesting to see marty and governor Bashir uh in the same room i'd love to have governor Bashir on this show that would be great why don't, why don't Can't you make, you make that happen? I mean, what's the holdup, Tyler? 
You were you were buying his cookies and eating his cakes like a month ago. Why can't you just get him on the that, show? That is true. I should get some sort of commission for that from <laughs> from Governor. I, I did. You should. Yeah. I yeah. I got the cakes, the donuts. Yeah. But anyway, so we'll we'll see. We'll we'll make a few calls. We'll see if we can get. I know a guy. The governor on. Maybe if we can't get the governor, we can at least get Virginia or Kenneth to come on. That you can't get Virginia on the show to do sign language, Tyler. This is a video. This is an audio podcast. Uh, that would be the worst <laughs> podcast of all time. <laughs> the worst. Oh well. Uh, so anyway, some some other topics that he talked about. I really found it interesting, Brandon, as a Cleveland Browns fan, hearing him talk about the differences in culture between the New England Patriots and the Cleveland Browns. And he went from New England to Cleveland and then clearly just saw what a train wreck Cleveland was and said, I got to get out of here and get back to New England because he immediately <laughs> left to go back to the Patriots the next year. And win a Super Bowl. And won a Super Bowl. So, I, first of all, I'm just shocked that there's a culture difference between the Browns and the Patriots. I mean, color me surprised. <laughs> I mean, didn't see that coming whatsoever, Tyler. I mean, did you see that coming? No, it's as a lifelong Browns fan was not surprised in the least. That's pretty par for the course. Uh, I really liked the story he told about pulling into the parking lot on his first day at practice for the Browns and already realizing that this this is not going to work out because he saw the sports cars, the Maseratis, the Ferraris, and you know th- those those are things that, that's inside information that you don't get uh, unless you talk to these players. To, to, to learn these things because honestly I you know I, I didn't know that the New England Patriots drove SUVs and beat up pickup trucks to practice and the Browns drove three hundred thousand dollar sports cars but that's the inside information and the cool information you get when we have guys like this on yeah absolutely I just think it's funny that you know the season's gonna suck when you pull into the parking lot the <laughs> on the first first, time. first day <laughs> imagine first that day. like you come into your first day at a new job. And you're just like, I'm going to go get the world by the tails and wrestle it around, and it's going to be my world. And you pull in, and even before you step in the door, you realize, oh, my God, this is going to be absolutely terrible. Yeah, and he was right. They were terrible that year. And just like I said, he's, he's, he's a very smart guy when it comes to football. I think he, he can tell right away if a team has it or not, and Patriots did, the Browns did not. So that was a pretty cool story. Uh, other takeaways, Brandon, that that you found from Marty? Well, I was excited that you know it seemed like he thinks. Now, of course, I don't know what kind of insider knowledge he has, but at least he thinks that number one, Stoops is doing a great job, which I think we already knew that he's doing things that we just don't do here. But there could be football in the fall. He seemed pretty confident about that. <sighs> Man, I really hope so. I really hope so. If they make me wear a mask, I'm wearing a mask. I'll wear two masks. I sure. I don't care. I'll wear whatever they want as long as I get to to go to a game, watch the games. Just just tell me what you need me to do. You know, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I couldn't go without a college football season. Coach Stoops has got me to the point to where I live and breathe college football in the fall. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. You know, he talked about culture with the Browns and the Patriots, and we see that Coach Stoops has completely changed the culture here at UK because... I mean, the Browns and Kentucky football, for a long time, that, that was a pretty even comparison. Maybe that's yeah. why you were fans of both. <laughs> you, you may be onto something You were there. glutton for punishment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the, the heartbreaking losses year after year, the lack of success. There's a lot of parallels between Browns football and UK football. And really, the only way to change either program is to change the culture. 
And that's that's what he pointed out that Coach Stoops has done. He has taken a team that went into every game thinking they were going to lose to we now going we go into every game thinking we're going to win, whether it's Florida, Tennessee, whoever. We have the mindset going into every game that we are just as good as them and we don't back down from anybody. It took him a few years, and I think that's, as he said, it takes a few years to change a losing culture. And Stoops has absolutely done that. He has completely done a 180 with the mindset of the Kentucky football team and the fan base. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, you know, one one of the really interesting things, uh, Marty has some views about the coronavirus. He does. Um, you know, I thought the interest, my one of my favorite lines actually from the whole interview was, you know, he said, you know, how's there going to be a second wave? We never got the first. <laughs> and Depending on what you think, I mean, there could be some validity to that in Kentucky, right? right. Now, now in other parts of the, you know, if you're in New York City, you probably say, "Hey, oh, we had it, <laughs> well, mm-hmm. we saw it; it was pretty bad." But in the state of Kentucky, you know, we were fortunate to not really see that. So, I think you know, he he brought a point of view of, "Hey, you know, it was never really that bad here to begin with, so we're not going to see that in the fall." I thought that was a a great line. In my whether you agree with it or not, right. it, it was fun. I, I almost laughed. I was like, <laughs> "Wow, that's pre- that's pretty funny." But you know, there may be a grain of truth to it too. So it just kind of depends on how you look at it. Yeah, you, it's it's. Not, I mean, you you don't know. Did, did we change the wave because we did such a good job at you know doing the lockdown and doing the social distancing? I mean, there, there's no way we will never know, Brandon. We'll we'll never know how bad it could have been. We don't know if it would have been bad at all, even had we not shut everything down. There's there's just no way to know. Um, so, I mean, all due respect to Marty, everybody's entitled to their opinions. I, I, I don't think Marty Moore knows anything more about the coronavirus than anybody else. Uh, but I think we've seen even a lot of our experts don't really. Yeah, seem I was going to say he either. probably knows as much as Doctor Fauci does. <laughs> I based think on what I we've think seen. that I know, you know, Marty knows, <laughs> and the people that are leading this country. I. Th- and I know I know it's not really true, but I feel like we e- know about equally as much because there's been so many changing things. I feel like we're figuring it out as we go along. Yeah, he he may be a hundred percent right. He might be a hundred percent wrong. I mean, we, no nobody knows. He doesn't know. We don't, we don't know. I tell you what's going to be interesting though with the social distancing uh, during these protests. We are not social distancing, and I wonder if Governor Bashir uh, is paying attention to that, Tyler, because we just flattened the curve apparently. Yeah, that's that's gonna be interesting to see if we if we see. Did you spike. think about that at all? I, I had, yeah, that had it, it crossed my mind. Because yeah. if you recall, we've put out a video on our website lexbuds.com. Uh, if you recall the Frankfurt protest video that I put together, yes, I remember. Um, there was a distinct line in that video during the press conference where he tells the protesters that if they're not step six feet apart, that they are spreading the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Do you think he'll say that now? Hmm. That put you in a spot, didn't I? Yeah. Do you think that he would say that now? Uh, let's let's move on, Brandon. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're squirming a little, but I mean, it's a reasonable question. I mean, he said it about one, why not the other? Right? It's just just something to think about. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's the coronavirus thing. I'm, I'm almost tired of talking about it. I think the experts would be better, and I think we would be better served if we just said, "Hey, let's just see what happens." We don't really know. It's new for Christ's right. sake. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. We we don't. You know, we kind of 
we can draw dates in the sand and, and say this is when we're going to reopen. And uh, honestly, it's kind of like you're just throwing darts on the wall. You're trying to pick a date that seems the most safe, and we'll we'll kind of see what happens. Uh, really, really want to thank Marty for coming on. Absolutely. Rega- regardless of your what what you think about his thoughts on the governor or the coronavirus, you, this is a guy who really is deeply passionate about getting kids involved in sports. I think his heart is absolutely in the right absolutely. place, and we 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 need more people like him to get involved and play an active role with our young kids through sports because there are a lot of life lessons that that you can learn through sports. So commend Marty for that, and we we thank him for his time coming on. You know, my favorite thing about Marty is that he actually has an opinion, and he says it. (laughs) That's true. You know what? So many people in the world today are afraid to say something because the Facebook mob will come after you, right? All your friends will say, oh, you're an idiot. Or the Twitter mob, or, or what have you, will say, oh, you can't say that. What are, you, what are you talking about? You can't say that. Marty says it, and he doesn't care. And I wish more people in the world were like that. If you have an opinion, use your own thoughts and brain. Formulate an opinion and put it out there. And don't be afraid. I think it, you know, that's one of the big takeaways that I had from the whole interview. You know, have your own opinion. Make up your own mind. And even if you don't agree with it, at least you know Marty has an opinion, and you know what he thinks. That's more than you can say for a lot of people. Absolutely, yeah. It's and that that's what we want to do on this show, Brandon. That's that's our goal when when we first started this. Is we don't want to get just people on here who agree with us on everything, because that's going to be frankly pretty boring. Yes, we we want to hear people of all different thoughts and backgrounds and, and different opinions, because it makes for a better show, and that's that's what makes makes us better human beings. I think Brandon is is to hear people who are different than us is this where we start singing kumbaya and getting the okay i think that's that was terrible (laughs) even the first couple seconds we did there yeah i do want to say there were several times during the interview that i almost called him marty bird instead of marty moore (laughs) (laughs) did you really dude i swear i had the name marty bird in there for those who don't marty bird from the the wonderful netflix show ozark uh hit hit tv show jason bateman and yeah, I just for some reason, I really had to focus to not call him Marty Bird multiple times. It almost came out. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you almost connected him with money laundering uh, from that show. Uh, but no, it, it was a good interview. We're glad everybody uh, had the chance to listen to it. And again, thanks, Marty, for coming on. So that was episode eight of the Lex Buds and Pick and Roll podcast. Uh, as always, follow us at Lex Buds on Twitter. Uh, visit our website at LexBuzz.com. We've got all kinds of really cool content uh, coming up this week, and we're always putting out unique things that you won't see on the 6 o'clock news. Uh, that's the goal that we try to, to uh, deliver for you every week. And we will see you on the next podcast. Stay, Stay classy, classy, Kentucky. Kentucky.